0: Welcome to Straight Out of Savannah, Talking with Tammy, a podcast that showcases people you may not know who are choosing to use their gifts to inspire and move the planet. You so much for joining us on Straight Out of Savannah, talking with Tammy. My guest here is Cecile Armstrong. We have had the most delightful conversation in the green room. It's been fabulous, and so she's going to introduce herself and tell you exactly what she does. Cecile, take it
1: away. All right. Thank you. My name is Cecile Armstrong, and I teach anti-racism and equity integrated with self-care and joy. So I teach anti-racism just like any other anti-racism facilitator, but instead of just focusing on the facts, I focus on self-care, making sure that people are grounded in their bodies so that they can let go of their defenses and actually hear the facts as I present them and then move towards changed behavior.
0: That is so powerful. So what got you started on that path?
1: Um, I kind of fell into it. I've I've been an activist most of my life. Um, and my job, um, I started off in public relations, that's what I went to school for. And I worked for like a, um, a science museum, a regional science museum, and then I moved to libraries. And then I was recruited um, to basically be an activist to inter- in a, implement a uh, federal grant to reduce violent crime in a high crime, low income neighborhood, and doing that grassroots work was like the best thing ever. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. And it was the best thing I've ever done. And so um, later on, when I was in transition with my jobs, I was like, what am I going to do? And um, I've always done a lot of art. And so I thought I was going to teach art. I'm like, oh, I'm going to help people with self-care. And then as I start working on, um, started doing that online, I knew something was missing and I was supposed to do something bigger. And in when, when was it 2016 after the election I started um, a Facebook group and um, it was called meditations for the resistance because I saw that people were um, they were panicking and you know they were feeling really bad and they were so scared and um, so I started a group and where I did I led live meditations every Sunday night And we talked about a lot of social justice issues. And I found myself teaching a lot in the group. And I asked the group, I was like, okay, if I created a class around anti-racism, would you be interested? And people said yes. And so I started creating classes and teaching from that. And that's how I got started.
0: (laughs) That is powerful. So was it anything in your past that would make you know that this was the work that you were going to be doing now
1: um well yeah <laughs> because i have always stood up for the underdog i have always been someone that was even if i was afraid i was gonna speak up so um and i and i i know my history i mean i know american history i know the black experience um not just what i live but what i've studied and um so from the time I was in school, I've already always done that. So I, if, if I had thought about it then, I would have known <laughs> that this is what I would be doing. Um, I'm trying to think. When I was in college, I found this piece of paper that I wrote when I was in college that said, We had to predict what we were going to do with our lives, you know, for work. And it said that I was going to work for nonprofits for the first part of my career. I was going to work for nonprofits. And it said the second half of my career, I would work for myself. And it would be something that was involving art. And what I do right now involves art because of all the self-care that I do. But it's also integrated with the social justice. So, yeah, I knew.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, because, you know, a lot of times we as we grow up, it's like, we know that there's a destiny for us. Mm-hmm. We don't always know exactly how it's going to go. And, you know, but we, we, we kind of have an idea. And yeah. I kind of felt that with you as well.
1: <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so,
0: do you feel like, matter of fact, I know you do. I was going to say, do you feel like this work is really going to make a difference? You think it's going to change um, people's, have you seen Change. I
1: have seen it. I have seen it. Nobody goes through my class and comes out the same on the other side, whether it's a week long class, an intensive, or even a two hour workshop. Everybody who goes through my class comes out different because my motto is no blame, no shame, no guilt. So I'm not blaming you for the actions of your ancestors. I'm not shaming you for the color of your skin. I'm not guilting you for your own behavior before you came into my class. When you show up to work with me, I'm grateful that you're there. I'm asking you to be open and I'm doing everything I can to get you in your body and help you be comfortable so you can let go of your fear and let go of your defenses so that you can hear the facts that I'm going to share with you because I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm giving you facts. I'm telling you about things about American history, about how the racist system that we all live in was created. And once people know those facts, I don't even have to ask them to change their minds and change their hearts. When I teach them the facts and they can accept them without defensiveness, they automatically have their own aha moments and they're automatically like, oh, I, I, did not, I didn't know that. And now that I know, it changes everything else I thought about race. And once they have that moment, they're like, so what can I do? And then, then we go into, okay, this is what anti-racist behavior looks like in everyday life, you know, because a lot of people think that anti-racism means that you got to get out there and you got to protest and you got to be like, you know, like the men and all that kind of stuff. But that's not what anti-racism is. I mean, that's a part of it, but that's not all of it. And that's not even the most important part because right. anti-racism is anything that challenges the racist system that we're in. It could be as simple as, somebody makes a racist joke and you call them out on it and say, yo, that that's not funny. That's racist. Why are you even saying that to me? It could be as simple as, um, I'll give you an example. I was doing a, I was doing a, um, workshop for a group of coaches and I was doing an anti-racism workshop for them. And so one of the women was sharing a story with me that, um, she had gone to, this was, this was like, well, what she was talking about was pre-COVID. She was going into the Social Security Administration and she said that, you know, as people were going in, there's a security guard standing at the door and everybody's just kind of filing in. But a Black family goes to walk in and the security guard pulls them to the side and warns them. And then after he warns them, he lets them in. But he didn't do that for any of the white people. And she said she saw everybody kind of look and be embarrassed. And she said she felt so bad and she went to the family and she said i'm really sorry that happened to you that was wrong i saw it and that was wrong and she said was that anti-racism and i told her no i said what you did was great because you acknowledged the family you acknowledged that something happened to them and you let them know that what they were seen, but you didn't do anything to challenge the status quo or the racist behavior so that wasn't anti-racism anti-racism would have been saying something to the security guard And it doesn't necessarily have to be why did you want the black people and you didn't want any white people. It doesn't have to be like that. (laughs) It could have been as simple as going, wait, you wanted them, but you didn't want me. And then standing up, you know, say, do you want to want me too?" that would have made everybody in the room look. It would have called out the behavior. And then the family would have known that somebody saw them without somebody giving them pity. And it would have caused the, the security guard would have um, if they did it just unconsciously because they always do it when they see people of color it would have made them go oh snap what did I just do and if they did it on purpose it would have been oh snap somebody saw me and they just called me out and then it also would have been an example to all the other white people that saw it and didn't say anything to say it's okay to speak up and challenge what happened and here's a way to do it so that would have been anti-racism and that's how anti-racism shows up in everyday life that is powerful really when you
0: think about it because a lot of times I actually have had something like that happening to me mm-hmm. and they'll, you know, they'll come and they'll, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I'd be wanting to say, you know, get the fuck out my face. <laughs> right. I mean, right. you know, I've been on this earth a long time. I've mm-hmm. been a lot of things. I've seen, mm-hmm. my stuff. I've, you know, had a lot of racism, you know, aimed at me, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, but you, you know, but you coming over here telling? tell, I mean, it's almost like, you pat me on the head.
1: Right, right. And it's like, I'm saying something to you because I feel guilty. And the safest thing I can do is come over here and let you know that I saw it, even though I didn't do anything.
0: Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And so, right. like, oh, this is so awesome. So, you are <laughs> actually helping them to learn how to own some behavior mm-hmm. to changes
1: mm-hmm and most of my students are are white but I also have students of color and a lot of what I, what the people of color who are in my classes come to learn is is our history because not everybody knows American history and just because we're black and we experience racism doesn't mean we know how to talk about it with other people Yes. And it doesn't mean that we know how to talk about it, especially with white people in a way that's not just gonna make more anger. A lot of black people, we know how to fuss about it among ourselves. We know what's wrong. We know how we're treated, but we don't always understand the system either.
0: Right. hmm Right, right. That's, mm-hmm. that's huge. Yeah. That is like, that's real talk. You know, it's like, you know, we've been, we've been involved in it because- I remember seeing the white only restrooms Oh wow! and the water fountains mm-hmm. and all of that. I remember seeing that as a child. Wow. I was really young, but I remember that. Mm-hmm. So that was before they had taken them away. You know, I was involved in busing mm-hmm. as, at first grade. Mm-hmm. Where they bused us from the inner city to the island schools. Where wow. We, where okay. We mm-hmm in savannah so mm-hmm. i remember all of that and i remember the classrooms where we had there was about six of us in the class mm-hmm. and we didn't see the teachers that we saw that looked like us they were so fair till if you looked hard you had to look hard to know oh
1: wow okay all right so the teachers that were black were actually white passing just about in or they Nevada. could have if they wanted to right mm-hmm. only a few
0: two mm-hmm You know, you, and you didn't, you just didn't see, you know, there was just a few. Mm -hmm. And if you saw anybody that looked like you, usually they were a teacher, teacher assistant. Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't a full teacher. Mm -hmm. So, and then, you know, they had enough of us in the classroom, I guess, so they could make sure they maintain control.
1: Right. Right.
0: You got 25, 30 kids in class. There might have been six of us, seven, Mm -hmm. Stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So I remember that you know, growing up. And it's like, right. I guess what you're doing is helping people to process through a lot of that too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the work that I do, that's why I integrate the self-care. Um, the, the stuff that I teach, and the stuff that people go through it's really really hard to let that information in when you come in defensive and yes. when you come in expecting to be attacked or if you're coming in expecting to be like pissed off with the white people that are in the room when you come in like that you're you're already set up in a place that that you're not going to be able to learn you're only going to be able to take in so much which is why the first part of any workshop that I do is always about getting in your body you know we do the breathing exercises we do some other exercises we talk talk about um, how we're feeling, we talk about the no blame, no shame, no guilt. And I'll tell you just about every time I lead with the no blame, no shame, no guilt, somebody cries (laughs) because
0: because they're
1: like, you know, I've been to workshops before and people just automatically make me feel like I'm wrong and I'm bad. And, you know, thank you for that. And it's just like, as soon as I say no blame, no shame, no guilt, people just like go, and like I said somebody cries (laughs) and and it's like there's a weight lifted and I'm like okay we got that out of the way you know nobody's attacking anybody we're here to learn the facts because once you know your history you can do something about it and and what I say about the way white supremacy was actually legislated into America I actually run run a workshop actually it's coming up July 10th it's called legislating racism um Saturday July 10th from three to five and I walk people through the law how it was set up little by little people talk about the slave codes they talk about slavery but they don't talk about the 100 years that led up to it they didn't just say oh there's black people you're less than we're going to make you slaves they didn't they didn't that's not how it went you know it was okay mm-hmm. hey, right it, it was it was purposeful it was incremental And it was basically brainwashing because they set it up that they started treating um, Black people as less than. And in the beginning, there was class solidarity with poor whites and poor people of color. And then when they started treating Black people different, basically the white people were like, whew, you know, at least they aren't doing that to me. I got it bad enough. And and then you keep doing these little incremental things and, and it flips from phew, at least they're not doing that to me. You know, that's bad to, uh, something must be wrong with them for them to be treating them like that. And people forget that the laws came first and then came the bad attitudes about, oh, they must be less than. And people nowadays think, well, they must've been like, oh, well, we've never seen black people before. They must be inferior. Well, and I don't know any better. And then later on go, oh, wait a minute, they're human. No, they knew we were human in the beginning. It was that the people with the wealth and the power needed a way to maintain that wealth and power without them doing all the work. And so little by little, they kept implementing these laws until they created slave codes. And so the class that I teach is this is how they did it. These are the laws. These, this is the order that they went in. These are the things that they attack about people's humanity. And this is how they implemented it until it was just, you know, on this day, anybody who's not white is a slave. You know, whether you were about to be released from your indentured servitude or not. And once people get that, then they're like, oh, that's, that's not at all what I thought it was. I thought it was that people just hated people because of their race. No, nope. before the 1500s, people were not divided by race we were divided by our country of origin people weren't calling each other white and black before somebody made it up in the 1540s
0: <laughs> and so all of this stuff is this a social
1: house. construct i was going to say you notice how it
0: went not only here but it went to all the other countries too mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Went
0: to the, the, you know went to mexico where they you know they want to start dividing them by color and went to Cuba and went to mm-hmm. Haiti and went to the Caribbean and all
1: these places everywhere around the globe. Well, they- the definition of race, who are the guy who divided people by race? I want to say he was um in Portugal. So the definition of race was created somewhere else, but the white supremacist system, the racist system that we live under here was definitely created here and it started in Virginia where I live. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, how appropriate that you're there, right? <laughs> doing this work—that is powerful. I think <laughs> you should meet Harvey. But anyway, um, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Okay, so as as you go down, where do you see this work taking you? I mean, what do you see for um, really, really? introducing people to this work
1: well because- i yeah I'm trying to figure out how to reach a bigger audience okay. and um, I've been doing the workshops and okay. I, I can already see where that's not something I can necessarily scale but so far because there's only one of me <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm actually working right now on creating a membership site where um, I will use my my trademark um, bite-sized lessons. I, I love teaching things in little bites because people are so overwhelmed right now, especially in this time of COVID. People just cannot take in but so much information, and so the way that I teach on my blog the way that i teach in my workshops is you know just in little sections i'm going to give you give you just enough i'm going to make sure that you're okay emotionally and then i'm going to give you these facts that are you know sometimes really rough and i'll give you a little bit and then we'll take a breath make sure that you have processed that that you know you have the information and then we're going to take a breath, and then we're going to go to the next thing and i'm not going to baby you but I'm gonna give it to you in little pieces so you can process. And so my next step, what I'm working on and hoping to ha- hoping to launch in September, is actually a membership site so that people will have the steps and they can come and they can go through it at their own pace. You know, and they can select select which module they want to work on. And if they want to work on the legislating racism piece, that's fine. If they want to look at the what I teach about um, racism within the feminist movement, you know, then they can just go through that. And so there'll be all these modules that people can go through um at their own pace and separately and each one will build on another so that it'll be whatever they learned in the beginning the next piece is going to build on that so they'll have a deeper understanding we're gonna
0: talk about that (laughs) racism in the feminist movement yeah yeah
1: yeah Yeah.
0: um yeah because yeah
1: (laughs) misogynoir is real
0: (laughs) i was gonna say and even in the spiritual
1: community yes and yeah spiritual bypassing within racism is a real thing I'm going to tell you that community that I ran um the the meditations for for the resistance there were so many woo-woo spiritual people in that community that thought that because we were doing spiritual stuff that we shouldn't talk about racism and we shouldn't talk about politics because that wasn't high-level thinking and I was like y'all we are spirits in flesh that means we are both yes so if you are separating your spiritual from your body and your physical then how are you whole because <laughs> <laughs> you're doing it wrong Right, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yes, we are reaching for that spiritual, we are trying to ascend, but at the same time we are in our physical bodies. And as long as I'm in a body, I got to do what I got to do for social justice and equity and raising and uplifting everybody else while I'm here. It's a combination. If you want to be a spirit, go be a spirit. But as long as you're in a body, you're still human.
0: <laughs> Cuz we still live here on earth right now. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I know I know personally I'm not from here. <laughs> but I live, oh, we live here. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is what we got to deal with. Mm-hmm. So, yep. <laughs> so how did you address the racism in the feminist? Because that's something that I have seen for, I saw it years ago and mm-hmm. I was like, cause people asked me about being a feminist and all this. And I'm like, no, I said, because one thing <laughs> my grandmother told me about that, she said, mm-hmm. um, why would you want to do everything? Mm. She said, why would you want to do everything? You remember, I don't know if you, you might be too young to remember that commercial. I can bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan. I know the song. (laughs) Never, never, never let him forget he's a man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was like a big feminist song. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, my grandma was like, why would you want to do everything? Mm -hmm. Women already do everything anyway. Mm -hmm. Man needs something to do.
1: I think people should do what they want to do. If a woman wants to go into a predominantly male field, go do it. You know, if, whatever she want to do, she should be able to do it. Yes. So, I, I I, mean, feminism is basically humanism. It just means everybody should be able to do what they want to do. As long as you're not hurting nobody else, go do it. I agree with that. Hmm. So how how I do thought we, you would. How do we address <laughs> the racism in the, the, the racism? The racism within just women oh my God. that that is so real um most of the people who come to my classes are are white women and what I found is that when we talk about racism there are concepts that some women seem like they just don't get until I say what if it was men and women rather than black and white and then they go oh because when they see themselves as the victim then they can understand And, and that, that kind of blows my mind a little bit that you can't see my humanity until you can see how it affects you. But if that's the tool that I need to use to teach, then I'll use it because once I use the, you know, sexism instead of racism, then they understand the concept.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Woo. Yeah. (laughs) that just goes so deep and that Mm -hmm. really proves why you are doing what you're supposed to do at this time
1: oh thank you yeah I'm definitely called to do this if I had if I felt like I had a choice I would probably do something different because this really sucks my energy and I I'm I I mean I have to make a conscious effort to protect myself when I do this which is why I have changed the way that I work I don't know how many times trying to protect my energy um but but I don't have a choice. I I'm called to do this. I'm supposed to do this and I know it. So
0: you are, I mean, and the mm-hmm. thing is, is you, you do it so well. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I mean, you know, credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, I enjoy it. I mean, I love it. It's hard, but I love doing it because the way people change after they go through a workshop with me is, I mean, it, it it makes me cry sometimes. There are people who have taken classes with me who originally didn't want to, who were very, very, very racist in their attitudes towards me when we first met. There's one person in particular that I'm thinking of who um wanted, wanted the information, wanted me to come and speak to her group, but she wanted me to do it for free. And, you know, I was like, no, can't do it for free. Um, and then when I quoted her a price instead of it being a few hundred dollars she went back and said that it was like a few dollars um and and then when I heard about it and she found out that she was wrong and I heard about it she kind of laughed about it and was like oh you know this is this was kind of funny and I was like no if I was white would you expect me to teach something this serious something that I actually have studied about would you expect me to do this for, you know, less than $10 for a session, would you do that if I was white? If I was talking about anything else other than race? And then she was like, Well, I didn't mean to be offensive. And I was like, No, you might not have meant to be, but um you are. right. And um we kept in touch. And it was about a year later, she ended up saying, you know, I think I want to take a class. And I was like, okay. And at the time I was running a special, it was 50% off for a new workshop that I was testing out. And it turns out she couldn't come. But then she signed up the next month for full price. And um, that was the intensive I was telling you about. It was four hours. And what was funny was during the intensive, she kept turning her camera away from herself. So I couldn't see her face, but you know, I could see the other people that were in the group because we were all on zoom and she kept turning the camera away from her face. And when it was over, I usually follow up with my students, you know, like within a week, I follow up, say, okay, are you processing everything? Okay. Do you have any other questions? And when I followed up with her, we ended up getting on the phone and she said, what you said changed me. And, um, she said that what she, what she had actually done, she was volunteering at a food bank. And she switched the location and went to work at a food bank where it was mostly people of color. And she told me how, when she went, um, she was nervous and, but when she got there, how everybody was so friendly and they welcomed her and they thanked her for coming. And she was like, I worked side by side with all these people that I had been afraid of my whole life. And I don't know why I was afraid. Wow. Yeah.
0: That is so deep and powerful. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And this is someone, like I said, if I, if I was like, if I chose to just be offended and write her off and just be like, you know what, you were rude to me, you don't even understand how you're being racist, and I am not going to deal with you, that change would not have happened. But I kept in touch with her every once in a while, every few months, we were sending emails and stuff, and a year later... She took my class and totally changed her perspective on people. And then she tried to talk to her friends and family about it. And she told me that she was like, I'm trying to talk to my friends and family and they just don't get it. They're not listening. And um, so she didn't get anybody else to sign up from my class, but she kept up with the things that she learned. And so she tried to help other people. Right. And right. She reached out to other people. And so, um, you know, that was, that was maybe a year ago. And then just a couple of weeks ago, I actually, um, enough people had said, I don't know how to talk to my friends and family. Like she was telling me, I don't know how to get them to see, you know, what, what I just learned, you know, everybody gets defensive. And so just a couple of weeks ago, I just ran a new class for the first time, how to talk to your Racist friends and family, which was hugely successful. Um, and I'm definitely going to do it again. And, um, basically it was a blueprint for how to have hard discussions so um I, I focused on race and racism but it was actually a blueprint for how to have those discussions that you just go I just don't want to do it I don't want to talk to them or oh my god I already know what their attitude is going to be Ugh. Yeah. you know that when you have that kind of feeling when you talk to somebody I basically yeah. laid out the blueprint for that and just like with my classes it starts with being in your body
0: <laughs> yeah because the thing is is that could be even a discussion about, you know, how to come out to your family or something, mm-hmm.
1: like
0: you know, mm-hmm. or, or for kids, a lot of times how to tell your parents, you're not going to go be a doctor. You want to be a pastry chef. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Those be hard discussions, you know, for real, for real. Or, you know, yeah. when you want noticed... to stand
1: in your truth, when you want to stand in your truth and, but you're afraid to say it out loud. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: hmm Yes. Cause it's, 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 yeah. Cause that's such a common thing. Cause you, cause a lot of times, you know, even as we get older, a lot of times we still can't tell our parents mm-hmm. that they're expecting, you know?
1: Right. Right. So, you know, so, they, you know those kind of conversations calling. about standing in your truth or mm-hmm. about calling out somebody about their behavior, because, you know, how do you tell your mom and dad, you know what? I don't want you saying racist stuff around me anymore. I mean, I know you you raised me and this is the way y'all talk, but it's not cool with me anymore. If you're going to do that, do it somewhere else, not around me or listen to me so I can change the way, you know, change the way you think. And the whole thing about how to talk to your racist friends and family is, is about holding space, allowing people to be who they are so they don't feel judged, and then giving them the facts. Because once people get the facts, most of the time, unless you're like a rigid thinker, once you get new facts... You know, you process differently.
0: Yes.
1: You know, and once you can change people's minds with the facts, then you can change their hearts. And once their hearts change, then their behavior is going to change. Yeah. So it all starts in the mind. Mm hmm. Yeah. Starts I mean. with both. Starts with both. Because a lot of times the reaction that people have to the facts is emotional. So sometimes it hits them in the heart first. Yeah. But if you can change the heart or the mind, then the other one's going to follow. And then once those are changed together, that's when the behavior changes.
0: I could see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we got to wrap up. I hate you yeah. because it's been so much fun and it's been so entertaining as well as educational. Because I mean, I learn something every time I interview anybody, and you're mm-hmm. no
1: different. You're amazing. Um, oh, thank but- you. I learned that's stuff cool. watching your podcast. So yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. That's that's the point.
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask you if you. If you came upon somebody that was at a place where you were, where you were trying to decide, you know, which direction you were going to go in and, you know, like you, would you say you were between jobs and you were Mm -hmm. at the place where you said, what do I want to do? What would you say to them in order for them to be able to understand how to pursue their passion and, you know, where to go with that?
1: I would tell them that they need to get quiet and be still so they can hear. Spirit talks to us all the time. Spirit is always talking to us. And most of the time, if we're not getting a message, it's because we're distracted or we're not listening. So there is so much power in being still and being quiet. And when I say be still and quiet, I don't mean sit still for five minutes and then be like, hey, I ain't getting no message. You know, when I say be still and quiet, <laughs> I mean, um, seriously be quiet it might be sitting still for five minutes and maybe you can hear but if you're not used to listening if you're not used to getting the message it's going to take a while for you to actually for you to actually understand what the way your messages come through because everybody's not going to hear you know the voice that everybody says be still and hear that voice everybody's not going to hear that voice some people are going to have a feeling some people are going to feel something physically in their body when they have the right thought some people are just going to um They're going to hear something you might hear. You might be thinking something and then you hear a bird outside. For me, I'll tell you, for me, when I first started understanding, um, when I first started understanding, when spirit was sending me messages, you know, that song ain't no stopping us now. Yes. I would be doing something and that song would come on the radio and you know, that's not something they play on the radio a lot, (laughs) but every time I was doing something that was right, that song would come on. To the point, I'll tell you another story, to the point I was out of town um, going to this workshop and I was so nervous. I was staying over at a friend's house, a friend that I didn't really know, somebody I knew online and on the phone, but I was staying at her house. And that morning I got up and I was so nervous about going to to the workshop with everyone. I was the only new person there. And I was like having a fit. And I called my boyfriend and I was telling him, I was crying. I was like, I'm so nervous. I don't know if I'm good enough. And he turned up his car radio and ain't no stopping us now was on the
0: radio. That was your answer? That was my answer.
1: That's awesome. And so you have to pay attention to things like that. You know, you cannot expect your message to come a certain way because whatever you expect it to be is not going to be what it is. But you have to pay attention to the patterns. And then and then once you see the patterns, you'll start to hear the message.
0: All right. <laughs> Got one more question and then we we'll, then we'll wrap it up and you can share with the people. Hey. Um, after you answer this question, you can share with the people, you know, how to find you, how to connect. Okay. All right. So I just wanted to ask if you, for the, for the white people, Mm -hmm. what would you say to them if they came to you and said, Hey, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do about changing my behavior or my family's behavior. You know, I apologize for the things that my people have done to your people and all this kind of stuff, you know how they do. Mm -hmm. And so what would you say to them? I mean, what would be like the first thing that you would um, share with them? you know because i know that i know that that probably has already happened to you <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah
0: cuz it happens yeah. to me and i don't do this work <laughs>
1: right right well first thing i say is thank you for acknowledging you know um because not everybody will even acknowledge that something is wrong so thank you for recognizing that something is wrong and then actually taking the step to to speak on it um and then and then not to sound harsh but one thing that i do is is tell them that um, just apologizing to a random black person is not really the answer. (laughs) And that black people um, are not here to offer absolution. And so the thing that that if you wanna really know what you need to do is learn American history, learn the facts about how racism actually started, learn how the system actually works here in America and then do everything you can in your daily life to disrupt the system. And it doesn't have to be, like I said, it doesn't have to be marching. It could be you see somebody getting pulled over and you stand and you witness and you record. That right there is standing in solidarity. That's anti-racism. That's holding people accountable. You know, it's it, it could be um, you see somebody doing something racist, if you see somebody in a store, you know, ID and the black person who wants to write a check when you just saw a white person write a check without ID, ask, why does this person have to show ID and the other person didn't? Every time you see something and you say something, you're disrupting the system and you're calling attention to it. And, and then um, another thing is when you're learning and you're doing the work, pay black people. Black people are out here, have been doing this work for years, have been teaching people about this for years. And now that it's a hot topic, so many white people are, are doing this work and getting paid so much more than us Black folks that have been activists for a long time. Ha- time. If you really want to learn, go learn from somebody who has a life experience with it and knows how to teach it. Pay Black folks. Put your money where your mouth is. If you've got extra money that you can go out and buy a TV and go to the movies and do the other stuff you can pay somebody um, to to actually teach you and walk you through this. Um, If you show me, if you tell me what's important to you, I can show you what's important to you by where you put your money. And stop stealing. (laughs)
0: That was a bad day. Stop stealing. Because you know that 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 happens so often, especially out here in the online community, It's like mm-hmm. you know I'm doing something, and all of a sudden, you know, I look up and I see Susie doing it, and they don't, you know, they don't want to pay me, right? They- and they don't want to give you credit,
1: and they, don't, okay. you're right, and they don't want to give you credit either, right? right.
0: Hmm. But they, but they want to pay Susie two thousand dollars because she stole my, you know, my program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So tell the folks where they can connect with you, and 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 share. Also, you have something coming up soon.
1: I do, I do. Uh, people can find me online on social media. I'm at the real Cecile S A C I L. Um, if you ever have a question about where to find me, I have a link tree. So it's link tr.ee slash cecile armstrong that's my name and that will give you all of my social media and the top link is always going to be whatever my most recent class or workshop is most recent event um i also have a blog i have a patreon blog and the class that i have coming up next is saturday july 10th from three to five it's a two-hour workshop called legislating racism where i take you step by step Um, from the time that racism was actually defined, uh, because actually before 1540, we were not divided by race because the concept of race did not exist. It was defined in 1540. And then I take you step-by-step how the law was implemented in the colony of Virginia to actually separate the races and um, institute slavery and institute white supremacy which is the system that we live under now. They actually implemented the caste system over a hundred years before they actually declared the um, slave codes. So I'm teaching a class on that. So people can understand that racism is not just a natural thing. It's not that black and white people naturally hate each other and don't trust each other. It's not that white people back in the day didn't understand that black people are human. They did, they just chose uh, people the white people in power chose to dehumanize black people for power and wealth. And if a few people can institute something like this and brainwash the world, then those of us who are conscious and aware of the facts can undo it.
0: There you have it. <laughs> there you have it. Thank you so much for joining me, Ms. Cecile Armstrong. thank you. racism specialist. I'm so I'm so over the moon that you've come on my show and i'm just super grateful for the conversation it has been fabulous we're gonna probably do yes. something else again <laughs> mm-hmm. this was really really good i would have loved to let her talk for another 30 minutes <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know how much time passed really i was just having a good time <laughs> yeah me too and it's been over 30 minutes but it's okay <laughs> sometimes that happens you know <laughs> but we know how people's uh, attention span is so yeah we have to keep yeah that. but uh, anyway Thank you so much for joining me on Straight of Savannah, talking with Tammy, with my guest, Cecile Armstrong. She has been so fabulous and so gracious to come on and share her anti-racism platform because this is so needed in this society because just like she said, the racism is systemic and it's so Mm -hmm. systemic and embedded that a lot of white people don't even realize and recognize that there Mm -hmm. is racism and that it is here. They Mm -hmm. see the people getting pulled over. They see George Floyd getting beaten to death and um, Trayvon Martin being killed and all the rest of the people all in between and all around and the people that die every freaking day behind this racism. They see Mm -hmm. that stuff, but they don't realize that they have a part in it and that they can stop it and they Mm -hmm. can change, you know, this system. And Mm -hmm. so the platform that Cecile has, I'm super excited about that and I hope that she's doing a nonprofit as
1: well. I would love to do a nonprofit. I I worked for and ran nonprofits the first part of my career, so whew, yeah, I would love. Okay,
0: you're supposed to do a nonprofit. Okay, I'm <laughs> telling you that you know, you know, I'm intuitive. So I'm telling you, you're supposed to do a nonprofit, and you need to reach out to Steve Harvey. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> so it has been amazing. Um, thank you so much. Us. straight out of Savannah talking with Tammy and Cecile has given you how to connect with her so connect with her because we need to help her to get this platform out there to move so if you want to interview her you can reach her through her link tree she's got all her her details there the details will also be in the comments and in the um, description of the video as well as the audio so thank you so much for watching and have a great wonderful rest of your week bye now Bye. I know you've been blown away with the amazing value here today. Now go out and inspire the planet and be sure to send us a message when you're ready to come talk about it. I'm straight out of Savannah talking with Tammy.